Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. Though it may be hard to remember, there was a time when animated Disney movies weren't the state of the art. Yet the 1970s into the 1980s, from at least Robin Hood in 1973 through Oliver and Company in 1988, was the nadir of the form, if considered against Disney Animation's classic phase from the 1930s through the 1960s, or its resurgence from the 1990s onward with the kudzu-like bloom of digital animation. Take it as a given, then, that many of the conventions that Disney Animation pioneered, beginning with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in 1937, remained mostly unexamined for decades, including exaggeration of movement and characterization, and appeal of animated characters, whether good or evil, among ten other basic principles of animation, all of which became popularly known through the publication of The Illusion of Life by Disney animators Ollie Johnston and Frank Thomas in 1981. And, given the unprecedented successes of movies like Pinocchio in 1940, Bambi in 1942, Cinderella in 1950, Peter Pan in 1953, and Lady and the Tramp in 1955, the animation group maintained their methods and aged in place, becoming Hollywood's old guard, indifferent to the way boomers were raised, in many instances, on Uncle Walt's TV shows, movies, and ancillary marketing to beget Generation X, my generation, which acquired its media savviness from a latchkey childhood spent in front of the living room TV. The Rescuers, released in 1977, was directed by members of the unit dubbed Disney's Nine Old Men, here restricted to Wolfgang Reitherman, John Lounsbury, and Art Stevens, and it neatly demonstrates the problem at the heart of the seniority rules system of Walt Disney Animation Studios. For one, the Rescuers team seemed unable to grasp and equal the appetite for ever more spectacular cinematic adventures that were becoming typical of movie-going in 1977. Experientially, this means The Rescuers is a docile and slow-moving work during a year that saw the release of George Lucas's Star Wars. Hal Needham's Smokey and the Bandit. He's and Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The three most popular films at the American box office. Of course, it took much longer to make The Rescuers than these mostly live-action movies, but that's part of the rub. Traditional cell animation is extremely time-consuming, easily taking years to produce, which was the case in the decade-and-a-half production history of The Rescuers, which means that a decision made to fit inside one context must stand up to another context, not unlike an experiment where you ask your parents to list the five most profane words they know, only to realize that you use these five words daily to communicate clearly with your friends. Plus, The Rescuers is filled with a bevy of regional stereotypes, pat action sequences, and stock bad guys to fill out the running length without causing either offense or excitement, meaning... It is a true mediocrity. The Rescuers is derived from Marjorie Sharp's two children's novels, The Rescuers, published in 1959, and Miss Bianca, published in 1962. The movie opens on a decrepit riverboat somewhere in Cajun country, where a little girl named Penny, 
voiced by Michelle Stacy, drops a message in a bottle asking for deliverance from unbearable circumstances. Through a labored credit sequence, the bottle ends up in the possession of the Rescue Aid Society of New York, a fully anthropomorphized, mouse-run volunteer organization mirroring the United Nations that focuses on helping innocents seize a better day. In a Rescue Aid Society meeting, Penny's case is presented for action, whereupon the French mouse, Miss Bianca, voiced by Ava Gabor, requests assignment to the rescue operation. Please, may I have this assignment? To assist her, she invites the Society's loyal, if hesitant, janitor, Mr. Bernard, voiced by Bob Newhart. How do you do, madam? And together, the pair begins investigating Penny's case. After visiting the Morningside Orphanage in New York, where Penny once lived, they uncover parts of her unhappy childhood and speculate about how Penny may have been abducted by a cruel neighborhood woman named Madame Medusa, voiced by Geraldine Page. Why? Because Medusa seeks a valuable diamond and needs a child's small body to retrieve the treasure. I've got to have the devil's eye. Exiting New York on the wings of an albatross named Orville, voiced by Jim Jordan. I'm as fit as a fiddle. Bianca and Bernard land in the terrifying landscape of Devil's Bayou, where they try to find Penny. Soon they find Madame Medusa ensconced in her old river boat with a buffoon of an assistant named Mr. Snoops, voiced by Joe Flynn, and a pair of wily alligators she keeps as pets and animal guards. <laughs> With the help of local swamp folk, Miss Bianca and Mr. Bernard contact Penny and hatch a scheme for her escape. Once Penny is lowered into a tidal cave where the fist-sized diamond called the Devil's Eye is supposed to be hidden, the three take the jewel just before being drowned. Capitalizing on Medusa's greed, Bianca, Bernard, and Penny employ their swamp friends to make their escape in a hail of fireworks that leads them back to New York where Miss Bianca and Mr. Bernard become heroes in the Rescue Aid Society, while Penny donates the devil's eye to the Smithsonian Institution and finds proper adoptive human parents. Played like an extended episode of where are you? The Rescuers involves the kinds of silly hijinks the gang from the Mystery Machine pull together as the basis of their half-hour-long adventures. There's an eerie theme laid under the scenes at Medusa's Riverboat. And there are musical asides meant to comfort Penny in her despair. Be brave, little one. Make a wish for each sad little tear. Hold your head up though no one is near. Someone's waiting for you. Where the film ultimately fails, though, save for the six-and-under crowd who have watched and who will continue to watch the film simply because it's a cartoon, is in the utter lack of dread. One of the adjustments made by Disney Animation during the 1970s through the late 1980s, which was fully revealed with Ron Clements and John Musker directed The Little Mermaid in 1989, is the necessity of having an antagonist who embodies physical harm as well as a set of narrative needs to push the story forward. That is, 
A villain like Medusa can't simply be called evil, and therefore she is evil, and should be considered frightening. Instead, a villain must wholly embody a particular moment's conventional notion of all that is horrible and scary, or that character falls flat and may seem ridiculous. Thus, Ursula in The Little Mermaid doesn't simply want to end Ariel's love affair with a human. My dear sweet child, that's what I do. It's what I live for, to help unfortunate merfolk like yourself. She also wants to take over the underwater kingdom of King Triton, Ariel's father, and destroy her enemies. Not just symbolically, but also literally, as in a squishing out of life forces through bloody violence. The Rescuers lacks this kind of menace and is the less for it. Medusa is never more than an eccentric ginger who uses rough-sounding words. Her plans are easily seen through, and they are equally the fantasies of a relatively harmless criminal. Still, Miss Bianca and Mr. Bernard's adventures did manage to reach an audience of millions. We did it, Bianca! Mounting a successful box office campaign that led to an eventual sequel, The Rescuers Down Under, directed by Hindle Butoy and Mike Gabriel in 1990, which is the far superior, less-seen adventure. Thank you for listening to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. My name is Garrett Chaffin-Kirai. Boop-boobity-doo!